Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Warfare. This is our final session together tonight. And tonight, kind of our subtitle for this message is Take a Hit. Take a Hit. And I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before, either naturally or physically, but it's kind of impossible to be in a fight if it's a good fight and not have to take a hit. Anybody ever had to take a hit before? And we've kind of been uh, building a, a case uh, in regards to warfare, and really not a case, but we're building our understanding of what this spiritual fight is that we're all engaged in. And if we can go back to the first uh, slide, I jumped ahead, I know. But um, part one of this series was all about us really asking the question of what and who. What is this warfare that we're engaged in, and who are we fighting? Who are we fighting? And in our second session, we took some time to talk about how how we're called to fight. And we talked about fighting the good fight of faith and standing on the word of God and that submitting to God and resisting the devil and understanding what it means to submit to God. And this submission to God is the way that we fight this warfare that we're uh, engaged in. And then our last week, we got together and we talked really about why we're fighting. And we talked about that this fight, this spiritual warfare that we're engaged in day in and day out, is really a, a fight to take control of our heart. And we talked about the need out of Proverbs uh, chapter 4 that tells us that we need to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it, the course, the direction, the quality, the sustainability of our life is determined. And we talked about fighting the fight for your heart. So I really endeavored over the last three sessions to really take some time and answer questions that you might have surrounding warfare with what is spiritual warfare about who is it that we're actually fighting? How do we fight? And why? Why is it important? Why does it matter? So tonight, instead of answering your questions, I want to ask you one. And it's a question that I asked to start off tonight's talk. And that is, have you ever had to take a hit in a fight in an area of your life? When's the last time you had to take a hit in regards to fighting this good fight of faith, fighting this warfare that we're all engaged in in a day-in, day-out basis. You know, I said that it really is impossible to be in the middle of a good fight and not take a hit. Anybody ever seen a good boxing match before? You know, a good boxing match, both opponents get some hits in, don't they? Yeah, there's, there's kind of there's a struggle. There's this thing that we're engaged in and that we're going back and forth in. And, you know, uh, a lot of times it's, it's, it's really easy for us to identify those areas of our life that we've taken a hit in and and I've asked people this question before, and well, you know, have, have you ever had to take a hit? And what's, what's something that life's thrown at you here recently that's been hard for you to swallow? And when I ask that question, have you ever had to take a hit? I know all of us can immediately at least think of one thing that caught us off guard, you know, caught us clean on the chin. And, and some of us can think of two things, and a lot of us can think of at least three things uh, in our lives that we could equate to taking this hit or experiencing uh, this this uh, this warfare in a way that touches us, that touches a piece of our humanity and who we are. And, you know, sometimes these hits that we take in fighting this spiritual warfare, fighting this fight of faith, fighting the fight in regards to guarding our heart and this fight for our heart, sometimes those hits are what I classify as sucker punches. They're the things that we had no reference point for and it wasn't in our uh, it wasn't in our field of gaze at all. It literally seemed to come out of nowhere. Those are things like the betrayal of a, of a close friend. 
Someone that we thought we could trust on and trust in and depend on and confide in. And then we end up finding out that this person is not who we thought that they were. Or that our trust now has been misplaced. And maybe that person even took personal things that you had shared with them and now used them against you. What ended up being a safe place in a relationship ended up turning into a battleground and, and a nasty one. Anybody ever been there? Before Sometimes these sucker punches are even closer to home. It could be unfaithfulness in a spouse. I've talked to, counseled many people in dealing with some couples that have been married for years and had no idea that there was unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness present the entire time that they had been married. And it's devastating. That's one of those hits that we take in life that we're not expecting and that we don't feel like we were prepared for. For some of us, this sucker punch is a sudden death of a loved one or a close friend. Uh, not necessarily this, uh, this drawn-out fight with sickness, but an accident, a calamity, something that you still remember the phone call whenever it came and you answered it and you're just in disbelief and shock. Is this really happening? Is this, is this a nightmare? Is this my reality? And some of these hits that we take in life are things that we feel coming or we sense coming or that we're, that we're bracing for. We've seen the opponent. We've seen uh, whatever thing it is that's coming against us. We've seen it rear back and we're prepared to take the hit. Some of those things are like walking with somebody through a long fight of chronic sickness. And it's where we brace for it. We prepare for it every day and walking this journey with a friend or a loved one that's been fighting chronic sickness, that we know that there's hits and we just toughen up in that area and we learn to absorb the blow. Sometimes it's a planned confrontation. We know that we've got to talk to a family member and really set a boundary because this relationship is getting unhealthy and it's taking a strain and it, it's wear and tear on the family. Sometimes it's a coworker that we've got to sit down with and say, hey, look, you know, that the way that you, you talk about the boss is problematic to me. I don't feel like that's honor. I don't feel like that's a part of who we are. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a planned confrontation in regards to you needing to reconcile a relationship. But you know in order to reconcile that relationship, you're going to have to face some hard truths. You're going to have to say some things that might not be popular. And you go into that confrontation knowing that a punch could come and I'm probably just going to have to take it. Is anybody connecting with what I'm sharing Sometimes these hits that we feel coming are an executive decision we had to make. It's just, it came down, you might be in an authority role in your job, or if you're a parent, I hope you're in an authority role in your household. Uh, it's not the other way around. It seems like more and more I talk to families, the kids are the authorities in the house and not the parents. But if you're leading in your family, or you're leading in the workplace, or you're leading on a, a team here at the church, or Sometimes there's just executive decisions that have to be made. And you know that it's not necessarily going to be popular and not everybody's going to understand it and know it, but you plan for that hit. You know, after I make this decision, what's going to come at me is going to be hard. It has the potential to hurt. And no matter what the hit is or what it looks like or whether we expected it or we didn't, can I at least get some agreement in the room that all of those hits hurt? The thing that unites us isn't always the fight that we're fighting. I can't tell you. I mean, I could by some Holy Spirit revelation and go along the line here and get some perspective on what fight you might be fighting. But there's some things there even between you and the Lord that he's not going to talk to me 
about. And it's something that you are working out with the Lord. And I can't, through a natural way, tell you exactly the fight that you're facing. And none of us know day to day the people that we're encountering and that we're doing life with or that we're passing in the grocery store In our day-to-day travels and errands, we don't know the fights that other people are facing, but all of us are in a fight at some level. All of us are believing God for something. All of us are submitting to God in areas and resisting the devil in other areas. And we're believing and knowing that the Scripture says that he's fleeing from us. And our fights aren't all the same, but the one thing that does unite us is that we've all had to take a hit and we've all experienced pain. Pain is one of those things in regards to the human condition that unites us. And what's a beautiful thing about this is it's actually in the book of Hebrews how the writer chooses to reveal how Christ connects with us. The book of Hebrews tells us that in Jesus we don't have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with us, but that in all ways he was like us, tested, tempted, and tried, yet without sin, which means that Jesus took hits in his life. You know, Jesus knows what it means to be betrayed by a friend. Jesus knows what it means for your character to be defaced and for you to be slandered and reviled. Jesus knows what it's like to have some relational tension. Check this out. They, some of his followers bring his mother and his brothers to Jesus. Say, Jesus, they're here to see you. They're here to sit on the front row at your speaking gig. And Jesus says, my family are those that hear the word of God and do it. Think there could have possibly been some relational strain and some confrontation and some strong language that Jesus has to use. Jesus had to take hits. And the thing that unites us to each other is not always our fight. We're all fighting different things. But one of the things that unites us as, as human beings is experiencing pain. And you know, when things in life hit us, and when attacks of the enemy creep in and hit us, and those ones that really hurt those ones that make us lose our balance and make us stumble and we fall and we hit the mat and our head's spinning and we feel the blood and we feel the ache and the pain in our, in our body. It's those kinds of hits that make us start thinking and asking ourselves questions like, maybe I'm just down for the count. I, I, I don't think there's any way that I can recover from this. This isn't what I signed up for. And can I get a witness that if it hurts, we at least are all going to think, ouch. (laughs) That's one thing that I've thought before in the middle of of a hit. You know, as a follower of Christ, none of us are promised a painless existence. But as followers of Christ, we are promised that our pain doesn't have to be permanent. And I think that we have to realize that Things that are impossible to us, like the video I showed you of Randy's eyes being healed after 62 years. How many of you know that that's impossible with man, but very possible with God? How many of you know that even having to navigate reading and schooling and vocation with that type of vision, even our friend Randy probably had to take some hits in his life. Things couldn't have been easy. They couldn't have been smooth sailings all of the time and it might seem like some of these hits that we've had to take maybe from our past or maybe from our very throbbing present are things that we might not be able to recover from 
We've been fighting for a long time, and you might be here tonight and say, I'm down on the, on the mat. I'm bleeding. It hurts. There might be things that have happened recently. Others, others of us might be in that place of being down, face down on the mat for things that have happened years ago. And the encouragement that we have is that with Christ, our pain doesn't have to be permanent. And the encouragement that we also have is that with Christ, a person can take the biggest hit that a human being can possibly take and still move on. See, the promise that we have with Christ is that a moment of pain doesn't have to stop our movement. And for so many people, moments of pain have stopped their movement. And we're not engaged in the fight of faith. We're no longer guarding our heart. We're no longer standing on the word and the promises of God. We're no longer aware of the spiritual warnings going on around us because our lives are now filtered through our pain. The quality of our life, the standard of our life isn't filtered through what God's able to do. What the quality of our life is filtered through is what people have done to us and what life has thrown at us and what the devil has tried to steal from us. You know, and I, and I talk this way and even in counseling with folks, and a lot of times there's this phrase that comes up, and it's another question. The first question was, have you ever taken a hit? And I think we can all say yes to that. The second question, though, is around pain, and it's, what's your pain tolerance? I've, I've, I've talked to people, even in a leadership setting, that have said, you know, even, even ministerially, that your level of promotion in ministry is going to be equally proportional to your pain tolerance. And what I want to do is I want to say that I believe that, but I want to clarify something because I know that when you hear what's your pain tolerance, you probably hear it like I do. And what I hear is how much pain am I able to bear in a moment? That's pain tolerance. But I think a lot of times why we never able to move on from pain and never allow Christ to come in and heal are hurt and get us off the mat and back into the fight that we're supposed to be fighting, a fight that, by the way, we've already won in him despite the pain. And and this is the thing I think that messes with people sometimes is because a lot of times you'll hear preachers like me tell you time and time again that Ephesians says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that you're more than conquerors, that Jesus is taking care of all of it at the cross. And A lot of times as believers, we can get this idea that because of those realities, we're now no longer going to experience pain. Anybody ever been there before? Jesus, if you've overcome, why does this still hurt? And the thing I think we have to realize and know is that losing a loved one to cancer is never not going to hurt. Bankruptcy is never not going to hurt. Straining your marriage is never not going to hurt. But pain is a lot like fear. Experiencing it is not optional. But being controlled by it is totally optional. And, and, and what I want to make a case for in regards to pain tolerance is this, is that a lot of times people hear pain tolerance. What's your pain tolerance? And we think about needing to toughen up in an area so that we can get hit there and not hurt as much. Pain tolerance for a lot of people means how What's my pain quotient? What intensity of pain can I handle in a moment? And and I think that pain tolerance is really this. It's how much of your life can you stomach being tolerated by pain? I think your pain tolerance is not 
about how much pain you can deal with in a moment. I think your pain tolerance, the way we have to think about pain tolerance, and I'll say it one more time, is how much of your life, personally, can you tolerate pain controlling? See, I don't want to have a high pain tolerance. I want to have a low pain tolerance. Because I'm not okay, and I can't stomach pain controlling my life, when as a believer in Christ, I'm supposed to move and have my very being in Christ. So another question, how much of your life are you okay with being controlled by pain? And it's at this point in conversations with people that we always run into these two words. And that's victim and victor. And I've got news for you is that this hit that you've taken in whatever area of life that you've taken it, because of the fight that you're in, that there might be a legitimate area of your life that that hit equates to victimization. You experienced victimization. But what I want to help you with tonight and help you understand is that victimization is an event, but being a victim is an identity. And most people that I deal with can't move past that point of pain because they understand pain tolerance as how much of a pain intensity they can deal with in a moment instead of asking themselves the question, how much of my life am I okay with pain controlling me? And the second thing that keeps people from moving on past their pain and getting back into the fight that we're called to as believers is they get hung up with making what happened in a moment now their memory. What happened in a moment now controls their memory. What happened in a moment now has stopped their moving forward. And it comes from this. Do you want to know the difference between a victim and a victor? It's actually only the last two letters. See, a victim has made a decision to move beyond what I'm feeling and to give themselves options. Or... I can feel this or this. The only difference between being a victim and being a victor is choice. I have to make a decision to move past what I'm feeling and give myself options. Because last time I checked, if Jesus didn't say it's over, it's not over. And and here's the thing. The people that have been dealt the hardest punches by life are the people that have, have had the ability to become the greatest victims. And on the flip side of that same coin, the people that have been dealt the hardest punches in life, I have known to become the greatest victors. But they had an equal choice because of the punch, because of the hit, to legitimize being a victim. The question on whether or not we get back in the fight and whether or not we're able to take hits. And if you're living a life in obedience to Christ, you're going to take some hits. Most of you have figured that out by now. Good thing I don't have to give a talk on the fact of helping you realize that you might get hit every once in a while. We can talk on this side of it and deal with it as a reality, but now overcome. The greatest victors have all had the ability and the choice to be the greatest victims. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here 
while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus is in the middle of taking a hit. Just a few passages before, they've been at the Last Supper together and Jesus is experiencing one of those sucker punches that we talked about by one of his closest friends, one of the closest members of his ministry team, Judas, betraying him. Jesus is dealing with this hit and knowing what's about to happen, knowing that what's about to face him is crucifixion. The ultimate evil torture experience that a human being could conceive of. He's in the garden and he's praying and he gives a little bit of an insight in regards to this hit that he's experiencing. Listen to his words again. My soul is very sorrowful even to death. You know, I don't know about you, but I've learned to take the greatest comfort in phrases like this from Jesus. Because what it reveals to me is that I serve a God that is able to know where I'm at and look at me eye to eye and say, I've been there. I don't just take comfort in the phrases of Jesus that paint this grandiose picture of the kingdom of God and how everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. I take comfort as somebody, a human being, engaged in a real fight the way that you are engaged in a fight day to day. I take comfort in the words of my Lord when he says, I just got hit and it doesn't feel good. I just got hit and I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to get hit and pretend like it, do, like it didn't happen. Because a lot of times, especially in our communities of faith and believing in the charisma of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, a lot of times we think that operating authority looks like living in denial. And how people walk through this all the time, that whenever Jesus calmed the storm, he didn't wake up and say, what are you guys talking about? There's no storm here. See, authority is being able to recognize what the problem is and knowing that it doesn't get the last word on the subject. Jesus said, I see the storm, but I'll raise you one. Peace be still. You can't speak peace to something you haven't acknowledged as a problem. You can't speak peace to your pain if you haven't acknowledged that you have it. And most people have wounds in their soul that they've ignored for years. And it's like a gunshot wound and putting a Band-Aid on it. That don't make anything better. It festers and it's infected and it hurts. I think a lot of times if we're being honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge the fact that I just got hit and it doesn't feel good. Jesus did it. Everybody I talk to says we need to be like Jesus. But a lot of Christians I talk to don't want to be honest like Jesus was honest. Can't speak to a problem and see it change if we don't acknowledge that it's a problem. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I love this. This next, this next phrase is so powerful, and I pray that it connects with you tonight and you get the, you get the Holy Ghost revelation that I did. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup, this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, 
Whenever we experience that hit, that question comes to our mind of, I don't think I'll be able to recover from this. I think this is going to be the one that does me in. I love that Jesus and his life always paints for us a model to follow. And Jesus said, my soul is very sorrowful even unto death. I've just had to deal with a hit. But I love what the next line says. It says, and going a little farther. In the middle of a hit that leaves you spinning, can I get a witness that even if you're able to take a step, it's movement. A lot of times people put pressure on themselves that God's not putting on them in regards to their pain. And a lot of times Christians do it to other Christians. We put pressure on people to be free of pain in a way that God doesn't even put pressure on people to be free of pain. Because the reality of this, the only way to be free of pain is to be able to walk through it. I love that Jesus had this hit that he dealt with, and it said, and going a little farther. Because all of us are going to have moments of pain in our lives. All of us, if we're fighting this fight of faith, if we're engaged in the reality of the warfare that's around us, and the things that we're fighting day in and day out, if we recognize what Paul tells us, that we are in a fight and it's a spiritual one, and we've got to have armor on, we've got to have weaponry on, every now and again, one of those arrows gets past a gap in an armor. Every now and then, one of our knuckles gets bruised. Every now and then, we feel a little bit of that pain. We experience that. And I love that the pattern of Jesus' life is, is that even in the middle of one of his biggest hits, he made a decision to keep moving, even if it was a little bit. He made a decision to go a little farther. And in going a little farther, he gave out physically and he fell on his face. And here's the thing that you need to know is that just because physically sometimes you're limited in your mobility, and just because solically sometimes your mind, your will, and your emotions, you're limited in your mobility, your spirit never is. Even when Jesus fell on his face, he said, if I can't get there physically, and if I can't get there emotionally, I'm going to release something from my spirit. And he prayed a prayer. How many of you know that being able to pray to God and believe the best of God and ask for his will and whatever pain you're experiencing is movement. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I will, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus shows us that we're able to take a hit and keep moving. In fact, Jesus goes on to repeat this. In total, he prays three times. And they come and they arrest him and I think that in that moment of making a decision to press on after every hit, press on after every hit, it tells us in Luke's gospel that after that prayer that there's an angel of the Lord that comes and strengthens him. How many of you know that God has supernatural breakthrough planned for us in so many areas of our life, but the only thing that really does limit God's ability, his only limitation is our lack of cooperation a lot of the times. And a lot of the things that the Lord is asking from us isn't as grandiose and as big and as weighty as we think they are. Sometimes it's just a step. Sometimes it's just a prayer. Sometimes it's just a phone call. Sometimes it's just a decision 
to be quiet. Jesus shows us that we can keep moving. Another person that took a hard hit from the scripture and shows us that it's possible to have the ability to choose to be a victim, but to choose to press on and to be a victor. How many of you know that Jesus pressed on that day and became the victor of the world? Another one that spoke to me from the scriptures as I was preparing this is Stephen, Acts chapter 7. Verse 54 through 60. Now, Stephen is going around and he's doing what followers of Jesus do and he's being vocal about his faith. I mean, he's talking about the Lord and he's engaged in this benevolent ministry of making sure that the widows and the poor in the community are fed and he's taking it as an opportunity to let natural things point to the supernatural power of God and signs and wonders are being worked through him. You know, he's just being a follower of Jesus. There's some people that take issue with it. Have you ever had that happen before? I said, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. At who? Stephen. And he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. How many of you know Stephen's about to take a hit? And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A lot of us think that death is the ultimate thing that has the ability to permanently stop our movement. I love that Luke, the writer of Acts, says that, and then he fell asleep. But because for a Christian, death is just a nap. I love that even in that, taking that hit, a literal hit, that probably nobody in the room today has had to take, and somebody trying to stone you, now people stone us with our words and stone us with legal things. And, but this guy's actually having rocks hurled at him, taking hits. Like I told you, sometimes we might be limited in what we can do physically and what we can do even emotionally. But I love that in the middle of something in Stephen's life that, could we be honest if we wanted to, Stephen would have had a pretty good justification in that moment to feel sorry for himself. Stephen has a real reason in this moment to be considered a victim. But Stephen was following someone that we're called to follow named Jesus. Who he just watched in the garden continue to take steps in regards to movement even in the face of hits. And we also see in Stephen's life that he was looking to a Jesus that, yeah, was dying on the cross. But had already made a decision to live somewhere else. And Stephen, in a moment of even the ultimate hit, death coming against him, he made a decision to not allow that to stop his movement. And it's interesting that it was Saul that was watching the coats of the ones that were 
stoning Stephen. Saul is the apostle Paul later to be converted. And I would like to propose to you that whenever Saul gets knocked off of his donkey and becomes Paul, that wasn't the first time he'd seen Jesus. He didn't recognize him that day in Stephen. But he was seeing Jesus. Whenever hits come in your life, do people get Jesus? When hits come in our lives, what do we release back into the world? Do we take the victim and say how unfair it is and how I shouldn't have been treated this way and how I'll never recover from this pain? Or are we a company of people that if we ever get the honor, and friends, it is an honor, to get with our dying breath to release forgiveness and God's love into the world? Are we taking steps daily and learning how to respond to hits so that when that big one comes, people get Jesus? Last figure from the scripture to talk about before we close up shop for tonight. Everybody okay? Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 14, 19 through 23. But the Jews came from Antioch in Iconium. Paul was kind of like Stephen. He was good at following Jesus and making people upset. And having persuaded the crowds through his preaching, they stoned Paul and drug him out of the city. Kind of sounds similar to Stephen, doesn't it? And the city is a place called Lystra, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. (laughs) Think about this logic. Now, you could say it's because Paul just took a really big hit. He wasn't thinking straight. Or you could just say that it didn't matter what hit he took. Paul had made a decision to live by the mind of Christ, not his natural mind. Because after he got stoned, he made a decision to get back up and go right back into the city that they just stoned him. How many of you know that's not a victim? But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went to Barnabas, to Derb, where they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra. So not only does Paul go there once after being stoned, he goes twice. And to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Because here's the thing about it. Instead of us thinking about how we can get tougher in absorbing hits, I think that the mind shift that has to happen in all of us is how do we use the testimony of our hits to strengthen others? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many hits do you enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You ever had to take a hit? Question, last one for tonight is a simple one. Not just have you taken a hit, but from that hit... What's been your takeaway? Has it lend toward you 
justifying victimization in your life? Has it led toward your takeaway from whatever hit that you've been dealt by life, by the devil, whatever? Sometimes our own just stupidity. Can we be honest? Amen. There's a lot of self-induced hits that we take sometimes. If you don't believe it, just uh, watch some of the montage footage from America's Funniest Home Videos. You'll see a lot of self-imposed hits. What's a hit that you've had to take, but more importantly, what's your takeaway been from that hit? Is your takeaway some inner self-talk that's justifying you being a victim and that's postponed the call of God on your life because it hurts too much? Or is tonight the Lord trying to speak to you in that hit and show you a pathway to victory? Because here's the thing, being hit doesn't determine whether or not you win. Christ has already done that for you. The truth of it is, is that the way that we continue to experience victory in our life is whenever we understand that we have the power to choose. Christ or self. We can choose our hits to be our hang-ups. We can choose our hits now to be supernaturally recycled as hands up for the people around us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share a word of encouragement with your people tonight. Father, I pray that in the room that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. And truth means honesty. Father, for the people in the room this evening that have been struggling with a hit from our past, from their past, or maybe in their present, throbbing moment, this reality of this pain, pray, Father, that we would make a decision to supernaturally draw upon your grace and make a choice to take a step like Jesus did in the garden, like Stephen did in his martyrdom, like Paul did in his persecutions. To make a decision that, yeah, even though I'm living in this temporary age right now, I'm from somewhere else. And I can use this hit as something that's going to break me down. Or surrender it to you, God, as something that can now be used to build others up. I'm no longer going to be a slave to my pain tonight. Because you've made a pathway to freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray that you provoke us in asking us that question in our hearts of what's our pain tolerance? How much of our life are we allowing pain to control? Jesus, we're in need of your healing touch. The way you healed Randy's eyes, we need many of us, the eyes of our heart to be healed. We need inner wounds dealt with from betrayals from unfaithfulness, from deceit, from disappointment. Father, I pray now that by your Holy Spirit, you would lead us into a place of surrendering our pain and receiving your promise. might seem impossible to us, but all things are possible for those that believe. Jesus, you could raise a man from the dead, and if you yourself could be raised from the dead and now alive forevermore, You can resurrect us beyond our current pain. We hear you calling to us. It's not over. Get up. I'm with you. My grace is sufficient for you. 
We've got this fight, B. Get up. Get up.